Prosopagnosia, the inability to recognize faces, occurs in up to 2% of the population. Most people struggle with it alone, unaware it even has a name. The stories in this podcast can be painful and hilarious. Join us for an exploration of the people, science, and realities of this condition. Maybe you have a hard time remembering faces. Come for the stories, stay for the coping techniques. Our guest today is an aerospace engineer working as a civilian employee of the U.S. Air Force in the Florida Panhandle. Chris Lipford, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I feel like my career is uh, kind of colliding with the podcast in this episode. Uh, I, I think I mentioned this to you, right? I was a real mechanical engineer once upon a time, uh, and I've been selling simulation software tools to engineers for like the last 20 years. CAD, finite element analysis, computational fluid dynamics, you know, basic stuff like that. I kind of feel like maybe we're in the same world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you said uh, you work for Siemens, right? That's right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. But, we use, but, uh, go ahead. Yeah, but I've worked for a lot of CAE companies over the past 20 years. But yeah, Siemens gotcha. today. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I use uh, NX quite a bit in my job. Um, I think they made that, right? They did. Yes, we yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. And then most of the aero uh, tools that we use are actually all kind of like government developed and owned uh, software. I've heard of a few of those. Yep. Yep. And those are free and they're very specific to what you do, I get. I Extremely. Get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, most people I meet don't uh, don't know what CFD stands for. And when I say computational fluid dynamics, uh, I mean, this is a rule of thumb in general for people in our world. If you're going to be social, don't talk about CFD at dinner parties. Oh, I don't even like to that? tell people what I do. <laughs> <laughs> every so time cool. I go with my mom to eat, she has to tell every single waiter, waitress, anyone we walk past, oh, this is my son, the rocket scientist. <laughs> she still doesn't understand that I do nothing with rockets. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you said that uh, you knew there were some problems with facial recognition earlier than this, but it wasn't until maybe your first year of college that it became apparent. Is is that about right? Yeah. So like I knew through like middle and high school, oh, I'm bad with faces. Oh, it'll take me a while to learn my classmates and recognize them at different parts of campus. But I think I really like narrowed in on, oh, this is like a, a real problem in college because I was just meeting so many new people all the time. Uh, various friend groups, I'd go to parties or, you know, just running into people on campus. Their friend comes up, hey, how's it going? I'm like, oh, hey, I'm Chris, by the way. And my friend, whichever one would turn, look at me like, you're an idiot. Like, you met them two days ago. And it just happened again and again and again. And it was actually a friend of mine in college, uh, Jessica, who searched it and uh sent me the link to i think it was just the prosopagnosia wikipedia page and she was like hey dude does this like sound like it might be you at all and the more i read into it i was like oh my gosh yeah yeah who knew that this is like a real thing i thought i was just really dumb in that way that had to be really common for a friend that you met in college to actually go out of her way to go look it up yeah, uh, she was somebody I was spending a lot of time with. Um, she was really integrated into a... Uh, I went with my best friend from high school, Rob. Um, and she was one of the first people we met there. So we started spending a lot of time with her, got to meet all of her friends. So the introductions, especially in those first few months, were just constant. And she really noticed the pattern repeating over and over. Whereabouts are you from? Uh, Sarasota, Florida. And I went to college at UCF. Okay, so you are a Florida boy. Yes. We have a, another similarity there. So my parents both grew up in Vero Beach, Florida, uh, and it, and I and they moved before I was born to Southern Indiana. So I grew up in Southern Indiana, but I guess Florida is kind of like a familial home. Uh, my sister moved back there recently. Um, you don't sound like a lot of the Floridians that I know. What do the Floridians that you know sound like? A lot more Southern. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, local where I'm at now, uh, we call it. Lower Alabama. I'm uh, about 30 minutes shy of Pensacola in the Panhandle. So around here, the Southern accent's extremely strong. But where I grew up, at least Sarasota is kind of near Tampa. Uh, uh -huh. Not really anyone has an accent too much around there. They say in Florida, the farther south you go, the more north you get. Uh, yeah, there could be a lot of influence for people moving in from out of state, right. I guess. The blue hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. Uh, so in Sarasota, was that a, a small high school, big high school? Like how big? A, I mean, was it Sarasota itself you were in? 
It, yeah, it was Sarasota. I went to Sarasota High School. I think we had 2,600 kids my senior year. Um, so I'd say fairly large high school. That's large. And, uh, you know, I think back to my time in high school, the, you know, it was very tiny little town. We had 60 people in my class. So uh, oh. pr- prosopagnosia didn't really come out uh, too prominently then. But, um, yeah, that's a lot of people. Was that K through 12 or? Uh, no, just you... uh, four year high school. It was a four year high school. So when you got into high school, those were all new people and um, didn't uh, didn't really raise its ugly head too much for you then? Not that I remember. Uh, not that I would remember ninth grade that super well and meeting all those people. I was uh, always very involved with drama and uh, theater throughout my middle and high school years. So pretty quickly, even in that new school, I was narrowed down to maybe 100 or 150 as opposed to, you know, over 2000 faces. Sure. And the time we spent together was fairly constant. You know, every day after school, we'd be there until five or six, you know, rehearsing for various plays. Uh, So I got to learn them all, I think, pretty quickly. I don't recall struggling with that. More so in my early years, it was stuff like um, running into a church friend where, you know, I'm out with my mom shopping at Walmart and this person I've known for a decade would come up and say hello and start chatting and we'd walk away and I'd be like, mom, who was that? She'd look at me like, are you insane? Like, you've known Cherry your whole life. Like, how do you not know that was her? And she never picked up on that pattern, like your friend in college. I don't recall us ever having a conversation about it, no. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Uh, I later found out that my, my that my mother, when I sort of, I don't like to use the word come out, but when I came out to my mom, <laughs> you know, and I said, hey, I found this thing. I'm like confident this is what I am dealing with. And then I gave her an article um, I think from the New York times, uh, and she read it and said, yep, that's exactly what I've done my whole life too. So we lived in the same house and didn't know that either one of us was dealing with the same issue. Um, I don't know. Do you, you ever talk to your mom and ask her if she's had problems with faces? You know, I should, I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with her about a uh, prosopagnosia ever since learning what it is. Um, that'd definitely be interesting to see though, if there might be some kind of genetic component there. Well, I don't know you real well, but just from some of the stories that you shared with me ahead of this interview, um, I get the sense that you're plenty social out there. Like you, you yeah, know, I consider myself to be extremely extroverted. Yeah, extroverted even. Okay. Um, so in a lot of cases, when I'm talking to people on this podcast and in some of the Facebook groups, I see some people will shrink away from social situations and they'll point to prosopagnosia as a reason for that, right? Because it is kind of uncomfortable, but, um, you're, that hasn't been the case for you. No, I think, um, they might have to kind of go hand in hand to where if you do tend to be introverted or shy, I could absolutely understand prosopagnosia magnifying or intensifying those tendencies. Um, but as long as I can remember, I've always been like the first one out there, got to go make some new friends, do some things, meet new people. Uh, and prosopagnosia or anything else that, you know, might've come along, I don't think would have been able to overcome just that inherent trait in my personality. Mm. Mm. Well, it's interesting though. Not all engineers are known for being extroverted. I would say more so they're introverted by nature. Um, how did you decide to go into engineering? (laughs) So in 11th grade, towards the end of that year, they made us all start applying to colleges. And it was it was part of your school day. We'd all go sit in a computer lab with the counselors and th- this is what you're doing, apply. I had no clue. I always knew I was going to go to college. It was just kind of expected, but I didn't have any forethought. So I'm looking at a drop down list of, I don't know, probably 50 or something different majors, having no clue what I want to do. So I put up my hand, asked the, the uh, guidance counselor, what what do I do? And she's like, well, what do you want to do? I, I don't know. What are you good at? Math? Physics was cool. I don't like math, but physics was neat. She's like, okay, you're picking engineering then. Just do that. It doesn't matter. You can change it. <laughs> uh, so out of all the ones that said engineering, aero sounded really cool. I thought, you know, airplanes are neat, I guess. So I chose that and got really fortunate that I quickly found out how much I loved it once I was actually studying it. And, and, where, and where did you go to college again? Uh, University of Central Florida. Okay. And 
you were studying specifically aerospace engineering there. How far did you go? Like, do you have a master's, PhD? What, what level are you now? So I actually just started taking my master's this semester. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship through the Air Force that's letting me pursue it full time right now. So that'll be the next year and a half for me. After this, can I have you talk to one of my daughters? Because I'm trying to convince <laughs> her to go down a similar path. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic, right? Like, totally paid for? Completely paid for. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, it's a huge blessing in my life. Um, just got really lucky that uh, the opportunity came along to apply and get the scholarship. So tell me a little more about uh, in college when, you know, it became apparent your friend came back and said, hey, this Wikipedia article, I think that's you. What, what did you do next? Uh, I probably spent the next week and she did a lot of it too. We were laughing about it, learning new things. Um, I remember we found a big list. I couldn't even say what the website was, but all these things that maybe you've experienced this and it was stuff like, uh, watching movies or TV shows and not being able to tell the characters apart. Well, at that point we had watched most of Homeland together and yeah, all the time I'd be like, hold on, pause. What is happening and who is this? And it would be someone that's been there the entire time. <laughs> that you know, no normal person would uh, be having that issue. Um, what were some of the other quirkier ones? Seeing, uh, not recognizing people when they're not, I guess, in their right place, if that makes sense. So if we run into a church friend, uh, you know, at the grocery store or someone from a math class in a, you know, gas station or something all the time, no matter how well I know them or how much time I spent with them. I'd fail every time to know who I was talking to. And I got really good at faking it. Just, uh, you know, somebody smiles like, oh, hey, how you doing, man? Like, oh, good. How about you? You know, play that off and keep walking like, eh, <laughs> that could have been anyone. See, I didn't find out until uh, my 40s, I think. Uh, and up until that point, I had developed a lot of the skills like you're describing here. You know, there's all these techniques and uh, things that you can do to get yourself out of trouble. And I was instinct, I inst instinctively built that up just to get around in the world. Uh, but to learn at a young age like that uh, seems to me like it'd be a real asset because um, now you, you know you know there's a problem, you know what it is, and maybe put a little more force into developing these skills. Did you feel like that was the case? Like, you know, now that you, you, know, you know you have this thing that you're actively like, okay, I got a problem. Let's attack it. You know, engineer, let's break it up into bits. And how do we, how do we go after this? So I tried a bit of that, uh, in the beginning, I would read up on different, um, strategies, mnemonic brain tricks, stuff where you can just try to get better at committing, uh, names to memory. And, uh, through that, I was hoping faces, but really quickly realized none of those tricks were, were landing. It didn't help me remember anyone any better. Uh, the one thing it, did give me rather what learning what prosopagnosia is and learning that I have it is it made it so much easier to instead just say, Hey, by the way, sorry, if we meet again, and I don't recognize you on bad faces. Instead, it lets me say, Hey, I have this thing called prosopagnosia. It's a medical term for face blindness. And usually I'll get a couple questions like, wait, what is it? And that takes a bit of the burden off instead of just maybe sounding like a jerk or offending someone like, oh, I just don't remember you, but, you know, don't be offended. It kind of takes that burden off of it. I feel like most people, once they hear that, they don't think, oh, whatever, excuses. They go, oh, huh, never heard of that. Cool. See, that's really important. I, um, I have asked this question of a lot of guests, you know, how do you present it to people? Well, actually, the first question for a lot of guests is, do you openly tell people about it? Like, have you made that part of your your natural rap? And, you know, I get sort of um, mixed results with that. Some people just like to keep it to themselves. Others say, you know, I got to get around in the world. So I'm going to say this phrase and I'm going to make it as short as I possibly can and not get caught in the trap of, okay, I've just created a 30 minute discussion when I only have two minutes. <laughs> but I like the way you put it. Um, is that generally what you say when you meet somebody new? How did you put that? Well, it depends on the situation. But if it's something like, uh, so I'm in a new neighborhood. I've been there about a year now. Um, and frankly, it's a bunch of old white people. I live out on a island, uh, Okaloosa Island, and they're all retirees there. 
And for the life of me, I can't tell them apart. Any couple could cookie cutter be replaced with any other, at least for my perception. Uh, so at things like that, where we might do a block party or, you know, a dinner at someone's house, we had a recent party because one of the neighbors was moving away. Uh, that's where I'll break it out pretty quickly. Each new neighbor I meet, first I'll say, hey, forgive me if we've met before, but hi, I'm Chris. And they'll either greet back or correct me like, oh, we have. Remember, I live over here. And that's just where I'll drop it in like, oh, okay. Um, if I hadn't told you before, because I've even given the spiel multiple times to some people. <laughs> to the same person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple times. Um, I'll just say, I have a thing called prosopagnosia. It's um, the medical condition of face blindness. So it's going to be really hard for me to remember who you are when we interact again. So don't be shy about reintroducing yourself or reminding me because that'll help a lot. And I've never had any kind of negative, um, I guess, response to that. Uh, most people, like I said, either don't care and keep on going with, you know, that interaction or, you know, the most interest I'll get is, oh, what, what's that called? Okay, huh. Hadn't heard of that. You, you are... Sorry, you mentioned uh, some people say they don't want to... I guess address that when they're meeting someone because they don't want to break a two minute conversation to 30. And my response to that is I've never met someone who's even half as interested as to, to keep that conversation going for a while. <laughs> hey, we're, uh, we're at 16 minutes here and we're just about done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think you're right. You know, like, uh, I may have exaggerate that a bit sometimes too. Um, it, it would never be a half hour, but sometimes I guess I stop saying it just because I'm getting on with the rest of my day and it's an extra couple of minutes that might be a five minute conversation. Right. But, um, you would technically be classified as a millennial, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I love I, my avocado toast. Yeah. All that. Right. <laughs> um, I wonder if, Millennial, the millennial generation is more open to something like this or maybe more believing of it than older generations, you know, who, you know, weren't confronted with all these different kinds of conditions. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like millennials yeah. would be more open to something like this. Yeah, I think that's a valid theory with uh, kind of how open our society has gotten with addressing things like uh, mental illness, which I don't consider prosopagnosia to be one. I see it almost as more of a quirk than, you know, this serious affliction of mine. Agreed. But yeah, I think that's a valid uh, observation that because things like mental illness are starting to be talked about and discussed openly and things like, um, I don't know, autism and, you know, just all those more common than, you know, we would have previously thought types of conditions are being addressed and discussed openly now that, yeah, it probably is a a reason, I guess, why I can say, oh, I have this thing and it's not a, you know, oh, let me ask a thousand questions or, you know, oh, you're, that's weird. What's wrong with you? It's just, oh, okay. And, you know, conversation moves along. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm colorblind and I got two right feet. I don't know. That was dumb. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so, all right. You, um, you went through four years of college and decided and to Four and a half and decided to go right into, uh, not, not the Air Force directly, right? You're, you're not in the Air Force. Right. I'm a, a civilian employee of the Air Force. So as opposed to, say, a civilian contractor where a company hires me and pays me to do Air Force work, I'm employed directly by the U.S. government. And so you work on a base. I just imagine, you know, there's uh, people doing PT and, you know, running around with a drill instructor yelling at them as you go into work in the morning? Is that kind of the environment? Uh, you'll see them on the side of the road running in the line as uh, you drive in, but my actual office is surrounded by many other office buildings and stuff like that. Uh, so Eglin Air Force Base, I believe, is the largest U.S. Air Force installation. Uh, so all the things are pretty separated. There are barracks and places where people live on base, uh, I should say, like young recruits, um, but unless I drive to that part of base, they're far enough away that you don't really see them. All right. Well, so maybe this next question doesn't really apply, but uh, I was just curious. I was imagining, you know, being in that environment and thinking, oh, wow, everybody has, all the men at least have the, the same haircut and they're all wearing the same uniform. 
uh, that might make it more difficult. Have you found that to be true or you just really aren't exposed to that side of it? No, it absolutely does. We do have officers that work with us um, and they're uniformed people. And absolutely, uh, it takes me quite a while to learn them apart. And even just coworkers in general, when I first started this job, I think we have about 80 people in the office that I work in. And I definitely probably introduced myself to a few of them, I'd say upwards of five times and always got kind of a, a chuckle and, oh, no, we met. Remember, I did this thing. And again, usually that's where I'll transition into the, oh, I have face blindness part. But I don't usually start with that right off. I get like if I'm just meeting someone somewhere, I'm not going to immediately throw that out there. It's more when confronted with it, or if it's someone that I know I'm going to meet again and again and again, or want to make a particularly good impression on, I'll say, by the way, don't be offended if I don't know who you are tomorrow. <laughs> it'll take me a few times. Well, if they are in uniform, I suppose, uh, don't they usually have a name tag too, or at least a last name? I'm also terrible with names, but, <laughs> but that can help. Uh, their rank definitely helps, you know. Uh, yeah. we might have 30 officers, but there's one Colonel, so I'm not gonna, you know, mess that one up too often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would you describe the severity of your face blindness? I've thought a lot about that in preparation for this, and it's honestly hard to answer only in that before listening to your podcast, I had no reference. You know, I didn't know five, 10 other people who have prosopagnosia. What do you call them, by the way? Prosopagnosic? Uh, something like that? Pr prosopagnosic, I think, is okay. the noun. <laughs> I'm glad you struggle with it, too, then. <laughs> I would never say that in real life. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a hard thing to baseline. Um, it's. I feel like it's not as mild as it could be, because uh, it's definitely a thing that I've noticed time and time again, but... It's nothing to the extent of I've read accounts of people who can't tell their own, you know, spouses or children uh, apart. Um, so it's nothing, you know, like a full blown disability like that would be. I was reading one of the stories that you told me, uh, you know, in, in preparation for this interview. You were telling me about times, you know, sometimes people. Uh, will proactively say to you, people that you've met before already will proactively say, hey, my name is blank. Uh, I'm the one with the kid who went to your college and you never remember me. And, um, you know, said, yeah, I resonated with that. But then you said something that I really liked. You said those people are usually one or two meetings away from clicking into a permanent memory slot. And I like this kind of thinking, right? Like it's, it's really diving into how the brain works, how your brain works and, you know, trying to figure out like wh what it's going to take for somebody to actually click for you. And, and I have, I'm very similar in this respect. I will eventually recognize someone. Um, and I can't quite figure out what the magic formula is. It's not always like, Hey, I meet them seven times and have a four minute conversation and I'm going to remember them. That's not always true. With some people, it can be two conversations, right? With somebody else, it could be 30 and I'll never get them. Um, sometimes I think if there's a big shock that happens, uh, you know, at, at the moment, like if it's a big failure, um, like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm your father-in-law, remember? You know, something <laughs> like that might make might make it stick. Um, but have, on that front, you know, have you been able to figure out anything that seems to work for you? Like what makes it click into a permanent memory slot? I really have. And I think, uh, yeah, thinking like an engineer, but if I was able to take just all that kind of life data and observe when and where I was, when it would click into place, I think it's just some kind of function of the number of times we've met, how long we've spent together, how much without trying to sound like a jerk, I guess, how much I like you, how positive those experiences were. If, if this is a, you know, just a conversation with a coworker downstairs who does this one thing that I might need every six months versus a random guy I ran into at the local brewery and, you know, we really hit it off and we're talking about aviation stuff for 20 minutes. Um, I think all of that just kind of factors into when it, when it would click, I guess, like I said before. Um, yeah, I I don't think there is any consistency to it or any way to be able to predict whether or not 
I'll be able to remember this particular person from this place any better than the other. Uh, part of what I was saying in that email when I said those people are usually pretty close to getting there is that's a rather than embarrassing, that's almost an enjoyable experience. Uh, someone who's that frank, like, oh, and before you don't know who I am, you told me you're not going <laughs> to remember me. That's probably a fun person, jokey. Uh, and so when people approach me like that, and it's not crazy common, um, it definitely, it's a positive experience for me. It, it's something I can laugh at myself about and say, awesome, and thank you, and I totally got it now. You know, we don't have to do that whole, hi, yeah, no, I'm good, how are you, how are you, until I'm like, oh, wait, okay, cool, this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, you know, if you got a massive face scar, an eye patch, a French bulldog that you carry around in your purse all the time, stuff like that's gonna, you know, I can meet you once and I'll immediately know the next time, like, oh, oh it's that person, awesome. Yeah, you said something about pets, that's a good crutch. Oh, absolutely, yeah, so... One crutch with my neighbors that, again, will always fail when we're at a block party or, you know, uh, every Friday we meet in a little kind of cul-de-sac type circle uh, in our neighborhood and just, you know, hang out and spend time together. Uh, but in those events, obviously, none of them bring their dogs. So I might see this person every single morning walking my dog, you know, around the neighborhood and I can always greet them by name. I know who you are because you got that dog there and it, it doesn't even click in my brain necessarily that oh, the dog is there, so this must be Angela, you know, from two streets over. Until I run into, say, Angela at, you know, one of those Friday circles, or we do block parties a few times a year that all the neighbors come out to. And that's where, you know, I end up in a hole because I'll be talking to someone for five minutes and then be like, by the way, I'm Chris. I don't think we've met. And they go, we talk uh. every single day. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Well, that's one of the uh, the great little tips I gleaned from, I think, two past guests on the show is uh, never ask that question or, or never po pose the question. We never say, never uh, introduce yourself as, hi, I'm, Gre I'm, I'm Chris. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should never do that, right? Like, it should just not be part of your lexicon. <laughs> that is good. I'm, I'm not sure if I listened to that episode, but I do like that tip, but also... Kind of like I was saying before, this isn't really a point of shame for me. It, it's more something I can laugh at myself about. Um, I don't think I've ever seriously offended someone by not recognizing them because that would certainly, you know, leave an impact on me and maybe try to reform my strategy. But I think I'll probably still keep doing that. And if with the neighbors, I've been there long enough. It's almost at a point where I'm sorry, we've probably met before, but hi, I'm Chris. Maybe I told you I'm face blind. <laughs> um, just because getting over and past that hump. You know, I'd rather do that than just kind of keep faking it with someone who I'm supposed to know, you know, not just some classmate that I would never get past the, oh, hey, what's up? And keep walking kind of scenario. I want to pick at that a little bit. That's really interesting. So I think what we're looking at here is maybe possibly, you know, again, it's not scientific, but uh, the difference between introvert and, and an extroverted approach to the world or at least your way of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So the introvert is, uh, and I'm introverted, nobody believes that, but I, I, on the Myers-Briggs scale or test, you know, I'll definitely come out as introverted. Um, but, it, you know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what might happen if I say this, if I do that, what's the response going to be? Like I'm playing chess, you know, a bit too far down the road, perhaps, for a social situation. And so you're up in your head quite a bit, Uh I like your easier approach, right? Like, and, and that could be a lesson for people listening. You know, there are different ways of interacting with the world, different ways of thinking of, about the world. Here's an example of a guy with face blindness who just walks around like, meh, okay, it's uh, it's a quirk of mine, and I'll just tell people about it. They'll laugh, and then we're, we're off to the next thing. It's not a big deal. It's really easy to just not care about and. That's at least for me personally. I know stuff like anxieties and something like, well, just stop being afraid of embarrassing yourself. Who cares? <laughs> you know, if it were that easy to fix, no one would have anxiety. But I think I'm just fortunate that I've never really been bothered by that kind of stuff. And whether it's uh, just something inherent about me uh, or maybe it came from just all the years of theater, you know, when you're literally putting yourself out on a stage in front of people you learn pretty quick, like, I don't care what they think, you know, if they like it, that's awesome. And if they say, wow, that was terrible, like, all right, well, screw you, buddy. <laughs> and you just move on. You can't really uh, let people's perception of you get you down. 
uh, some people are going to love you. Some people are going to hate you. Some people are just not really going to care about you. And of all the things about me or in all the ways I might interact with someone, at least in my head, that little stumbling block of not recognizing you the 13th time we've met probably isn't going to make that difference with that individual. If they're still stopping to say hi to me, they're probably not going to take that walk away and go, man, I really don't like that guy anymore. Like, they don't care. They're thinking about their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I might be completely wrong. I could be just so misreading everyone around me, but I don't know. That's just kind of how I internalize it. I think it's a healthy way to internalize it. I, I think you're right. It, it, it's uh, kind of shitty to say, yeah, just stop being anxious and be happy about it. You know, because some people, this is going to feel like it's at the core of one of their strongest anxieties. So we don't want to be flipping about it, but everything's on a spectrum, right? So you could challenge yourself to take it a little less seriously, maybe. Yeah. I think that would be good advice for anyone who's able to do so. Yeah. Just move a little bit to the right on that. Yeah. <laughs> It's really easy to have a, I forget if this is like a real thing I learned about or something I made up. It, it, it's almost certainly not something I made up, but uh, <laughs> it's called um, main, was it main character syndrome or something like that? And it's just how often people get stuck thinking about, oh, that thing I said to this person last week or this embarrassing thing that happened. And you just go over and over and over some negative experience that you had about something that you shouldn't have done and typically minor things uh and so like the idea of main player syndrome or whatever it might really be called i haven't googled that uh is that you know to you everything's about you like that person is still thinking about that thing you said when in reality like no no one's like sitting obsessing over some trait about you the same way you are people in general don't care that much about stuff like that uh, so sure, maybe for those 30 seconds, they're like, that was kind of rude. I know that guy. Hmm, whatever. Past that, they're done. So if you spend any time beating yourself up about it, that's, I don't really, like, I don't have a good way to wrap that up, but it's, it's not productive or conducive to anything. It's just being down on yourself for the sake of being down on yourself. And that's one thing, I guess, me as an extrovert, or maybe not an extrovert, but just someone who's not shy or anxious about social interactions uh, just doesn't struggle with and the idea of uh, struggling with it I going back to kind of what you said I don't want to sound insensitive to people who suffer from anxiety but for me that's why I can just brush it off and say oh who cares it doesn't matter and not obsess I like it so it may be more about general positivity in your makeup and your nature than even extroversion yeah I think that's valid yeah. So what do you see when you try to imagine a face? I feel like I can imagine faces pretty well. I can, you know, close my eyes and picture you, for instance. I know that's false, though, and I'm doing a terrible job. I just can't even recognize to myself that I'm doing a terrible job because, uh, you know, some guy will walk by in the street or I'll be watching a thing and go, hey, is this that actor? Uh, is that Brad Pitt? And, you know, friend would be like, no, what? No. I'd be like, okay, well, he kind of looks like him. And they'll be like, no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> and like, I'll pull up two pictures and be like, oh, okay, they're, they're two white dudes with kind of short hair, I guess. I think they look alike. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're, you're able to generate an actual face. Like one, one, pro one misnomer or misconception that I think people have when they hear about face blindness is they they assume that as you're walking down the down the street or you know busy street in your town and the crowd's walking towards you that you see literally like uh featureless faces there's just like skin with no eyes no nose it's just blank skin where the face is and hair around it um i haven't found anybody yet where that's true i think we all can clearly see faces in real time i'm just not able to visualize them very well it's funny you uh bring that up actually um one of my classmates here on campus, I was telling him, I asked him yesterday, hey, are you going to be here tomorrow? I'm planning on recording a thing in the office. He said, no, I won't be here. What are you recording? So I mentioned this <laughs> podcast, what I'm doing. And his first question immediately, and I'd never gotten this in my life, was, so what do you, like, do you just see, like, kind of a gray slate? 
like like what do you see when you're looking at me and i was like no dude i see your face like that's not how it works <laughs> but i'd actually never heard that before yesterday so it's interesting you bring that up yeah and you know if if you look at i don't know occasionally you'll see like a movie or uh, or a news story about face blindness that comes up and you know of course the image that goes along with it is a person with a, no their face, face blurred yeah. completely <laughs> yeah which i mean makes sense it you know okay, it gets you in the right ballpark, but it's not actually what's happening. And um, so for me, like, I feel like sometimes I can just start to get a face, uh, in, you know, if, I'm, if I have my eyes closed, for example, I could just start to get a face and then I'll be like, yes, yes, I've got the nose. It's like a little game I'll play sometimes, right? I got the nose. I can see that nose. But as I see that nose, the eyes start to melt and slough away, right? It's like, kind of more like what those depictions on the magazine article is more like what's happening when I try to visualize. It's not a hundred percent that, but it's something like that where the face is, you know, it's very mobile. Every, every feature on the face can get bigger and smaller and slide around. And, and, and if I try to pin one down, I can have that for a second or two, but as I hold that one piece, the rest of it falls away. I don't know that that's my experience. Yeah. And as you're describing it, I'm sitting here trying to do it and realizing again, earlier I said, no, I can visualize a face. I just do a crap job of it. But like you started to say, okay, I got the nose and the faces in my head, like there's not a detailed nose there. There's nothing there. It's always, it starts with the hair, like whoever it might be. Like I see the hair around a you know oval face or whatever. And then there's like, yeah, eyes, nose, mouth, beard. If they have one, it's all there, but it's not detailed. Like I, I'm crap at art, but let's say I was really good at art. If I was trying to sketch out that face in my mind, I would run dry really quick because there aren't those details there. I can't think of, oh, well, he has, you know, a wide bridge of the nose and the cleft chin. Like, no, none of that's there. It's just, I guess, more of an idea of a person than a a real image, which isn't something I've really considered before right now. Yeah. And you mentioned you're bad with names, too. So um, I, I guess Double I... Double whammy. Yeah, it's a double whammy. That's a bad one. And actually, that's the one phrase you usually hear. I usually hear in response if I tell someone I'm face blind or have prosopagnosia. It's a medical condition. Oh, I'm bad blah, with blah, faces blah. too. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> or they'll say, word for word, they usually say, uh, oh, yeah, I'm bad with names and faces too. Like those two yep. go together for most people. And everybody has that problem to some degree, right? Except for like the super recognizers. There are some of those. But um, most people, most average people walking around, on occasion feel like they haven't been able to remember a name or a face. And sometimes it's names. Um, I find it a little more difficult with face blindness because, all right, in my job, I have to remember way more names than most people, than any human should, frankly. <laughs> but uh, um, It's just part of, part of the territory. But um, you're remembering uh, a lot of facts and figures about this person and I feel like if you don't actually have that hard mental visual face to attach it to, it's like, what am I attaching it to? Because I haven't built up a a, a recognition profile otherwise. You know what I mean? Like for someone who can instantly remember a face after meeting someone the first time, they can start hanging the person's name, you know, where they went to college, what company they work for. They've, they've got something to sort of hook onto, I think, if you, if you think of the brain as like a, a computer. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? So yes and no, for my own personal experiences, I've actually found uh, that in this, you know, post-COVID world, uh, where everything's all Zoom meetings and chatting with people. I So I recently started a new project, and it's 100% digital. I've never even seen a picture of any of these people. And it's about, I'd say, 20 individuals. And I have found it so much easier. Maybe it's because I'm actually reading their names on the screen instead of just hearing, oh, hi, I'm such and such, and that's over, uh, that I'm having a much easier time remembering everyone's names and their specific roles, our previous interactions versus, you know, did I talk to you about this or them about this? Uh, I'm finding all of that to come a lot easier absent of the personal interaction. Um, I don't really know what to make of that, but I'm grateful for it, I guess. Um, yeah, we were talking about um, the idea of, okay, if, if you're bad with faces, that could make it 
even harder to be good with names because, you know, you don't have a face to hang the information on. This was my, my theory, mm-hmm. right? That, uh, you know, what are you hanging it on it? You know, in the early phases, you're just hanging it on, um, okay. Round face, black hair, but that's not really a full profile of the person yet. Right. Like that's not, you haven't, you haven't yet clicked them into that memory would you call it that? Like memory a memory slot? slot. Yeah. Just somebody that yeah. no matter where we are, or when I know who you are. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about like building up a, a profile on someone. And, and I agree that there needs to be an array of information about an individual before they'll click. Uh, we talked earlier about like whatever that algorithm might be of whether or not you're going to remember someone. And that's one of the reasons why when I do have an interaction with someone who I know I'm going to be seeing again and I want to know who they are, uh, similar, like in the email that I told you, I'll say, tell me that you're the one with, you know, say the kid who, whatever we've talked about, you're the person who was a pilot and we talked about that. So the next time you see me say, Hey, I'm that guy, because that will lock you back into my brain to say, okay, I couldn't have told you from, you know, the 10 other people in this room. But when you give me that, as opposed to saying, no, it's me, John. Okay, there's a John now. Which John? Who's John? No, I'm the guy from this. Got it. And everything will just kind of fall back into place. And I'll, you know, know that person like, you know, anyone knows anyone. It'll help make that connection. That's an interesting, that's a really interesting tip. So if you decide you want to remember someone uh, and you're just in the first conversation with them and they tell you a story about going sword fishing with Barack Obama, you would end that conversation with, Hey, Jim, listen, I've got this thing called prosopagnosia. Uh, I'm not going to remember you the next time we see me, you see me, but uh, just say, hey, I'm Jim, the one who went sword fishing with Barack Obama. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And that's, uh, it. it's helped a lot. And and again, people who do that, who introduce and say, you know, hey, you told me to say these things, they're going to click in much faster. I might meet them three times and... Okay, I I got you now. I I have another neighbor who I met probably six months ago. Again, just at one of those you know Friday circles we do, uh, and he was an SR seventy one pilot, the Blackbird, which is the coolest thing in the world for me. Um, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. I got to talk to this guy more, like hear all of his stories, and he kept showing up, you know, every week. And it wasn't until about just a month ago that that got brought up again and my brain immediately clicked and I was like, that's you? You're that guy. Dang it. Okay, hold on. We got to talk about this now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kept seeing that individual and and I knew there's a neighbor who had this insanely cool career that I want to get to know better. And I saw him every single week for months and could never link that piece of information back to his face and name. That is such a great tip. Every... Yeah, I think I've picked up at least eight or ten tips like these just from past guests that I never would have thought of. So, Let me turn a question back yeah, to that, you. What are uh, sure. some of your favorites that you've gotten or maybe most useful that you found from any of your prior guests? One of the most useful, it seems really obvious, is, as all of these do, is... Um, to, to use friends. So if you're, if you're, if you're in a friend group and someone new comes up and this friend that you're with is really dialed in that, oh yeah, Jeff's the guy, you know, Jeff, Jeff can't recognize faces. Like, like I'm kind of like you, I don't go around telling everyone like, Hey, this is the center of my being. Right, I have right. a face blind, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's not that, but you know, if you're with a friend who is pretty close and dialed in like that, I, I would just use them. Right. And so, um, you know, you could say something like, uh, oh, hey, here's Bill, you know, and I, I'm trying to think, though, like, exa- I got to go back and re-listen to that episode because I think I got that wrong because that would lead you to tr- into trouble as well if the person clearly knows Bill for years. Eh, I don't know. Well, if that friend could uh, take up that role for you and say, like, oh, and hey, you've met so-and-so, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I have. Right. And, you know, there yeah, it is. Yeah. They, you know, did that little transition for you. Yeah, it's a little bit like uh, this, you know, the the biggest crutch I have is my wife. So I, I call her like 
you know, my seeing eye wife or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's a seeing face wife, I think is what I said once. Um, so she knows to kind of lean over and whisper to me, uh, okay, here comes Bill. Yeah, here's how you know Bill. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like she'll do that occasionally, not every time, but. And when you mention friends, I was going to say, I kind of do the coward strategy of that is I just wait for the person to step away for a second, just lean over to, you know, whoever else I'm around and be like, hey, real quick, who's that guy? Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, I walk back. Hey, uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like uh, face blindness really had any impact on your school choice, your career choice, um, your hobbies. I mean, it's just a interesting quirk, and you're dealing with it. Yeah, to the best of my ability. Um, like I said, I think just uh, inherently, I'm such a kind of forward person that, you know, something like this isn't going to hold me back or change me in any kind of way. I love that. It can be embarrassing at times, but, you know, again, it's nothing that I like beat myself up for for hours. I get past it. If there's some awkwardness, I'm like, no, it's, uh, you know, it's medical. It's real. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> of course, what if, uh, what if you really didn't remember the person at all and you should have? I mean, has that happened to you? Oh, I'm sure it has, uh. I mean, I kind of said it before, like um, people that I've known for years and years from just one specific spot, usually something like church or maybe like a, running into a teacher out and about or something. Yeah. You know, zero recognition whatsoever and fully expected to. I guess that was usually way more awkward for me back before I learned what prosopagnosia is because I can't just throw that out there as a, you know, I don't want to say an excuse, but a, a valid reason uh, as to why that might happen. But I do remember a few times, like I said, it, it was a woman named Sherry from church that we ran into at like a Walmart when I was in high school with my mom. And I had no clue who she was. I think I even asked like in the conversation, like, oh, hey, uh, who are you? I'm Chris, by the way. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, running into teachers a couple times throughout high school, same kind of interaction. I worked at a McDonald's near the school when I was in high school. So faculty would come in and there were a few times be like, oh, hey, how are you, Chris? And I'd be like good sorry who are you and i would just ask straight up thinking like oh you're probably my mom's friend like no <laughs> you had my class today <laughs> i was i was i was thinking uh good overly friendly adult person <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> yeah if somebody approaches uh, me with a clear familiarity like oh they know me and they want to stop and talk for me and it's not just one of those like oh hey what's up kind of friends then yeah i'll usually just straight up before knowing what it was, I would just say, yeah, who are you? How do I know you? And now I'll say, mm -hmm. sorry, I have this thing. Who are you? <laughs> yep. You know, just get past that quick. Yeah, yeah. I like this. I like how upbeat this uh, this advice is. And uh, I'd encourage listeners to give it a shot, right? Like, if you are super anxious about this, um, the next time you're out in public and this happens... Just put this. Uh, just put Chris on for a second. Sort of <laughs> strap into Chris. Chris's uh, mentality it. for just a moment. Yeah, yeah. And and I bet you'll find that uh, it's not as big a deal as you've built up in your mind. Maybe that's been my experience, at least. Uh, like I said, I'm. We'll see if someday it just completely blows up in my face. If somebody were yeah. to get upset, you know, I wouldn't just blow that off and be like, "Oh, well, that's your problem." Then you know, I'm not a robot, but. So far, no one has. You know, a couple of people have been like, really, man? I'd be like, well, yeah, sorry. Man, you know, it's kind of over. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I think that, yeah, this is an unexpectedly super positive, actionable, you know, go tr go try on Chris's persona here the next time you get in public and, uh, and just see if it helps. It, you know, it's more of um, more of an attitude. Uh, rather than some sort of trick, right, to to get better at remembering faces. It's just embracing it and saying, yeah, I don't, and I'm not going to try to pretend like I do. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I, I've tried the little memory tips and tricks, and just none of that's made an impact. So pretty early on after learning about what it is, I just kind of had to get comfortable with, I'm just not going to remember people a lot of times, and, you know, we'll get past that, you know, just throw it out there so we can move on. Are you talking about mnemonics, like those kind of uh, 
memory tricks? Yeah, stuff like, I remember one of the early ones I read is, every time you meet a new person, they say, hi, my name is so-and-so, immediately just kind of to yourself say, okay, Doug, just like Doug, my friend from third grade, and uh, Doug, you know, my mechanic. Got it, Doug. This person's Doug. It it never made a difference. It didn't help me with names. Definitely didn't help me with faces. Unfortunately, there's no, at least that I've heard of, face memory mnemonics, you know? Well, there are actually. So um, there's one that, that I tried. So I went through a phase of, you know, getting into mnemonics and, you know, I was able to do some really crazy things like I could memorize a deck of cards shuffled just by looking through them once. Um, wow. I, I am confident now that if I really wanted to, I could remember 2000 digits of pi. Um, so it's just a, it's a trick, it's a technique and anyone can learn to do it. And I kind of went through the basics of learning that it was a little obsession for a year, but, uh, um, in that, you know, one of the things they, you know, talk about is, you know, techniques for remembering names and faces and the people are really more focused on the name part from the, for the most part. And, um, and I used it at the time. I remember there was a customer of mine, uh, he was also an aerospace engineer, I do believe. Uh, um, and his name was, uh, God, I probably shouldn't say his name. Ah, he wouldn't mind. It's, uh, his name was Peter Miller, right? And so the idea is that you take words or numbers that you want to remember and you uh, convert them into these crazy images. And there's some different strategies for doing that because the brain, other than faces for us, is very good at remembering images for most people. And so you turn their name into a crazy image. So like a rabbit chugging a Miller Lite? Something like that. I got a better one for him, though. Um, Lay it on me. So, uh, so first you, you find the most prominent facial feature that you can for that person. Um, and that was always a difficult part for me. He happened to have a very tall forehead. And I noticed this after I met him several, you know, many times. He had a very large, you know, Rich is a tall forehead. And so I put this uh, picture of two millstones stretching a penis out. <laughs> on his forehead. So it's Peter Miller, right? <laughs> and I swear to God, it worked. The next time I met him, I'm like, that's Peter Miller. Like it, cl it put him into a clicked in memory slot immediately. I like that. I like um, that. Uh, specifically for that one, you lay that image directly over their face. Cause that might help you recognize their face. If that image just kind of, you know, magically is in its spot, I guess, upon seeing them. I, I found that it worked in that case. The problem with really all of these mnemonic techniques for me, even like memorizing long series of digits and numbers and things, is that it does take a fair amount of work up front and planning to be able to pull it off. And in the heat of just meeting people willy-nilly, I just could never do it at the speed of life. And so I gave yeah, up. Yeah, you don't have your flashcards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think well, the reason they failed so miserably when I was trying to learn them uh, specifically names is the ones that I looked at for a little while. It's just they're all dependent on recognizing the face first. Like you see the person's face and you think, okay, what's this guy's name? But I'm failing up front. I, I don't see that face yeah. and recognize that that's even someone whose name I should be able to pull out. I think, oh, okay, who's this new person? <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. Chris, I, I really appreciate the interview. Um Again, it was really upbeat. I'm hoping that people will listen to this and, you know, at least try, you know, taking some of the pressure off of their own shoulders and and see how life feels at that way, you know, at that point, if you are anxious about this. But, yeah, very cool. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll get to wrap about computational fluid dynamics and store separation at some point. Oh, I can't wait. We'll do that <laughs> off, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. For more info on this episode or prosopagnosia in general, visit faceblindpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.